Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score NI. Now it's time for this week's program. The Score with Michael Clark. Yes, uh, another week, and uh, we are so close now to December. So we, ha- we haven't started playing the Christmas music yet, Colin Hopkins. I'm not sure if you're one of those people. I'm absolutely delighted you haven't started playing Christmas music yet. I was taking another week off and sick to be honest. It's good to have you back. You weren't well last week. Um, are you okay now? Our listeners shouldn't be writing not, any more letters to I'm the not station. Gonna, I'm not going to promise too much. I'm back in, fl- in flesh anyway. Whether I'm back in mind or not is another story. But yes, it wasn't <laughs> a was not a pleasant uh, experience. I've not had a sort of norovirus or whatever it happens to be. They sort of wiped me for about a week. So hopefully I'm back. Back. We're going to go again today. Good stuff. Yeah, I think everybody's been coming down with something. So uh, let's not pass anything on to Robbie because he's yeah. in a he's in a good vein of form at the minute. You're yeah, probably we protective mask on, mate. I know, that's this. the thing. I was saying these beforehand. I, I'm down in Oma, hiding away from all you guys. I'm out <laughs> in, the, the, in the sticks in the countryside, trying to keep myself uh, keep myself healthy. But uh, no, it seems to be going around at the minute. Like I think a couple of lads had it last week and the week before. So it'd be nice to get rid of it and uh, try and get a healthy squad for a change. I know. I, I think uh, maybe people will be surprised that you haven't considered moving closer to Belfast, you know, since everyone in Northern Ireland's allergic to driving. <laughs> no, to be fair, I, I, I've always been used to it, even whenever I was a kid. Um, I was playing for Maiden City down in Derry, so you know, I've been travelling from the age of 13, 14, and obviously going to Glenhaven. It's an hour, 45 minutes an hour to, to, to Lurgan, so it's, it's something I've been used to, and even whenever I was in England I was, I was travelling a lot as well, so no, I'm well used to the driving. Um, obviously it doesn't get easier this time of year, like, but nah, it's, it's, it's okay, I suppose. Um, we'll be, I guess, taking you back down memory lane shortly. But I, I want to talk about this season because um, the goal return from you has been fantastic so far. If we even just look at the league, ten goals from fifteen games—that looks like a real improvement. Yeah, um, I was saying there as well. Like you know, this year I've I've probably played that central role more than I have in probably previous years. Um, the last two years I've been here I've kind of played either wide with Curtis through the middle and somebody else off the other side or you know playing as a, as a two and kind of playing in behind that me and Stryker um, and Wendy's kind of really preached to me he says I want you stand you know in the width of the 60 yard box you know the box that's where you come alive and stuff and you know it's been working um, I think too the big thing is the boys around me have been creating loads of chances so you know for a striker, if you're creating more chances it's only right that you're scoring more goals I suppose was that uh, a move that you welcomed? Because previously you'd been pulling into wide positions or maybe even dropping into midfield to try and help with a link-up play. Mm-hmm. That that instruction to be a bit more selfish, I guess. How did yeah. you find it? Yeah, I mean, it's all right. Um, I've, realistically, I, I, I would play anywhere. I'm, I'm not really fussed. Um, whenever you're playing up the middle, obviously you've got that pressure to produce goals. Whereas if you're playing wide or you're playing in that 10 or you're playing across the midfield or whatever, there's, there's not that pressure. So you're kind of going out there with less expectation. So it can, if it happens, brilliant, but you're kind of more trying to pull the strings for somebody else. This year it's kind of been different where I'm being dependent on for goals. So it is, it's a bit more pressure. And, you know, even if I played well and I haven't scored, I'm probably coming off the pitch thinking, oh, well, I should have scored. I didn't have a great game today when maybe I, I did have a, a really good game. But again, it's just trying to get that mentality of goals, goals, goals. I mean, Curtis has got it in abundance and, and Dujal has as well. So, you know, them boys have been great for me to follow suit and, you know, try and learn from, essentially. And, I mean, there is plenty of options there. Curtis is uh, struggling with an injury at the minute and I think he's had a bit of a relapse as well so it's going to be a while till he's back in there. Uh, has that given you an opportunity I guess to have that starring role as a striker rather than uh, trying to work a different system because it's always a difficulty for a manager when you've got multiple forwards to choose from. You, you end up tweaking systems where they don't always need tweaked. Yeah I suppose so. Um, obviously the way we play we've got that one central striker and then we've got two you know, two wingers as such playing off him. Um, Obviously, from my point of view, it's, it is an opportunity for me to get that centre role. Um, you know, Dujal was playing there the first couple of games of the season, picked up an injury, and then I kind of came in, scored the two goals against Balamina. I've been in there ever since. Um, but obviously, f- on, on for the team and for myself as well, I'd love to see Curtis fit because he's a top top lad, he's a top top player. So you know, for the for the squad, for the team, for the club, you know, I want to see those boys fit and firing and scoring goals as well. Not just myself. Obviously, from a selfish point, I need to be scoring goals. But from a personal point of view, I'd love you know for Curtis to get back fit and be back in the squad because I I love playing with him. Like, 
And that's a squad that we've seen improve in terms of strength and depth and new players coming in in this campaign. How much of an improvement have you noticed being in and around, obviously, with them for matches and training? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it has been a big improvement from last year. And, you know, I think if you look at football nowadays, I think your resources reflects your squad. And obviously there's been you know, the well-documented um, investment and stuff, so we have got more resources, which means you're obviously going to get better players in the door. Um, you know, The likes of the boys who have come in, they've really brought in to the club, um, and they've brought a different element to the game over the past couple of years. You know, we've, we probably haven't been able to win not playing well. And I know it's it's probably crazy to say, but against Dungan and Saturday, we weren't at our best, but we still you know, were gr- grounded result out and we're clinical. So you know, the boys have come in have been super. Um, and again, it's just, you know, keeping that level of consistency up and um, you know hopefully it'll stand us in good stead but no the, the boys have come in have been super but the boys have been here as well they've you know found another level of their game which is obviously really important uh, Since you mentioned Dungannon uh, you're being modest hat trick in that game that's exactly what you're <laughs> wanting isn't it? Yeah I mean uh, the, the two goals in the first 10 minutes was obviously a really nice surprise I didn't think I would get you know, that many that quickly um, obviously, when you get that first couple of goals and on the score sheet, you kind of relax and you can enjoy your football. We probably let them in back into the game with a sloppy goal, and then it was you know nip and tuck to half time. But then second half come out and, and we were just clinical and we you know steamrolled over the top of them. Um, you've a fairly decent free kick taker this year as well. Not bad, is he? <laughs> He's not bad actually. He's honest to God, he he, he really is good. Um, he doesn't train him. Like week in week out, you see him doing it all the time. Even in the shooting drills, the way he hits the ball, he's got no backlift. He just—it's just—it's frightening how he hits the ball. But we're, we're going to get—I think we're going to try and get him an ice cream van and call it Mister Whippy because it's just <laughs> whips every single week. It's—it's it's brilliant. Like settle a debate as well, right? We, we can pronounce plum, right? How, what do you call him? We call him Hervoy. Okay, but everybody's got a different name for him because every week it yeah. depends who you talk to. I've heard. Uh, Hervoy, Hervey, and everything. So yeah, you call him Hervey. I, th- I think the majority of the fans call him Herbie, and then Wendy calls him Hervoyle, which I don't know where <laughs> that, he's going That sounds wrong. Fair, I know, I know, but no, <laughs> Monsieur Plum. We call him Monsieur Plum. Nice. Uh, well, he's certainly not going to have anyone taking the free kicks off him anytime soon. It's uh, it's uh, a spe- it's almost like a copy and paste finish, though. It's ridiculous. It's postage stamp every single week. It's just he does just really, really. He, he sets up his run. Sets up his walk back. He puts the ball in a certain way. He hits that valve, so that's why he just gets that up and down so quickly. And it, it, it's, it's great to watch. You know, whenever you get a free kick from anywhere around twenty-five yards, you're thinking, "Hey, we've got a chance here." And he's always he's done it. I think six times you said there, so it's a weapon to have. Like, no, it's uh, it's certainly something that you want to be able to have. And uh, keepers uh, are wise to it and still can't stop it. And that's how yeah, you know it's good. Big time. Um, we can talk through the quality of the squad. Obviously, another young player that's been uh, catching the eye this season is Paul O'Neill. Um, I think, obviously, when it, as a young player, confidence is a massive thing. He looks like someone that's really enjoying his football. Yeah, he is. He's been he's been really good, Paul. Um, again, Paul's probably more used to playing that centre role, but he's found a different dimension to his game playing wide. You know, sometimes, if you're playing wide, if you know the other sided winger is driving in chips the ball into the box you can kind of make those late runs into the back post and you know he's picked a lot of important goals up from that back post area I think there was one at Larn was was perfectly how he done it I think I flicked one on and it's just failed him so he's you know he's making those late runs into the box and you know he's getting chances and as I said before we are making more chances this year so he's going to get more chances but the Paul's been brilliant his attitude's good and he works his socks off and you know, he's, he's been super for us this year um, It's obviously very early in the season to be making ultimate predictions but uh, you sit Fifth at the moment, um, how much further up the table can you go or is, is top six the target? Well, I think obviously the gaffer spoke about it at the start of the season and he, he wanted us to be more competitive and I think so far we've probably showed that. I know it's it's going to be difficult this season, I think, to try and break into that top three, top two, you know, but obviously we've put building blocks down this year and you can see the progression from last season. So I think for us, it's, you know, and the, and the manager does drill it into us, it's one in a row. So as cliche as it sounds, it is taking one game at a time and making sure that we get over that hurdle before the next one. So I think if we're being realistic, you know, the top six was the, the priority at the start of the season. I think we're well on our way to achieving that. And anything actually would be a bonus. I don't need to tell you. I mean, you know, you're playing for a, a big 
club with hungry supporters and they're they're vocal as well they have big expectations D- does that ever weigh on you as a player or has it in the past um whenever, whenever i first signed um obviously my dad had told me how, how big the club was and how well supported they were and you know, i'd heard you know, stories over the year and all but i wasn't really prepared for the level and the size of the club whenever i first came and it took me the guts off probably six, seven months to really come to terms with. Because whenever I came home, I hadn't had a pre-season. So I got the adrenaline carried me through for maybe four or five games. Once the adrenaline wore off, you know, I was down. I hadn't had pre-season. I was unfit. I wasn't scoring. And they do, they get on you. But, you know, it's probably, you know, you're, we're a, a burden of our own success, if you like, because they've been so successful over the years. If you're not doing the business now, then that's what you're compared to. So it does it does weigh in your mind. And, you know, they're, they're hard to play for, but... They're unbelievable to play for at the same time. They're just they're brilliant. I mean, they get behind you all the time. And your dad, John, obviously, I mean, he's a he's a big part of your story. He had a great playing career of his own. Um, did he ever give you any stick initially when you're when you're in playing for Glen Torin and remind you of his successes? He does actually, because obviously, whenever big Ronnie come in, obviously Ronnie had my dad as well, so he was always telling me stories and stuff. And like whenever I was coming home, if I hadn't been scoring goals and all, my dad would would always say in a jokey kind of way, "Ah, oh, well, you know, I'd have scored that." I mean, how are you not scoring that or whatever else? But, you know, we do we do have good banter. And it's nice for him to come up to the Oval, you know, and it's kind of like walking down memory lane. He sees faces that he hasn't seen for years. And, you know, it's 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 nice for me to kind of put the final puzzle uh, pieces of the puzzle because obviously my dad had the leg break and stuff and I kind of cut short his career at Glen Torn. So it's nice for me to go back there. And obviously my dad was in around that 1982-1983 team where you had the real legends of the club. So... Obviously, they were winning trophies and all, so it would be nice now, maybe in the next couple of years, for possibly me to win a, a trophy with the Glens. Was he part of why you chose Glentor when you came back from Leeds? No, not at all. Um, whenever I decided to come home, I always said I would give Gary Hamilton first first choice whenever I left, and I did. I spoke to Gary, and I still keep in contact with him You know, nearly every other month. Um, I said to Gary, I said, look, I'm, I'm thinking about coming home here, and he had kind of said to me over the previous season, he says, look, he says, what you're trying to do, you're trying to do it in the lower leagues in England, is a hard way of doing it. He says, if you come home and reinvent yourself, you can go again. There's no problem with that. But obviously, I give Gary the first you know, first choice. He wasn't in a position to offer me anything. And, you know, the Glens were looking for another striker. Gary Haverin, you know, made a real fuss about me and, and brought me in. I went up and trained with him, spoke to the chairman, spoke to himself. And, you know, it, it got done pretty quickly. It, it was it was perfect for me because they were in a rebuilding process and I probably was as well. So it, it just it suited perfectly. But obviously my dad my dad said, yes, brilliant club, this and everything else. But he said, look, it's on you. It's whatever you think is best for you. So he did leave it up to me. And from what I gather, Gary Hamilton's played a big part in your football Massive. life. J- just put that into context for us. Obviously, you were at Glenavon first before you got the chance to go across the water. And even when you're coming back, you're going to him for advice. That says yeah. a lot about your relationship. What is it about Gary? Gary was absolutely unbelievable with me. And Wendy. Obviously, I've got Wendy again now, which is great. But Gary was just super. I mean, whenever I played in the Foy Cup for Strabane Athletic, and they sent a scout, Glenavon sent a scout, and actually it was the Glens as well who were coming to watch me. So it was Davy Maguire at the time. He says, Look, he says, Gary's mad to get you up. He wants to have a look at you, blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of humming in hand whether to go to Glenavon or Glentorn. And whenever I went to Glenavon, first night, pre season, Gary straight up in the first team, out with the rest of the first team. I was 15 years of age. So for me, it was, it was unbelievable. He made a real fuss about me and really just. It, he just made me want to be there and he was, he's was he been really really good with me even whenever I went to Leeds he was pushing for me to go there was never an element of well I want this for you before you can go it was you got to go go and do it it's unbelievable go and experience it blah 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 everything else but Gary has been super obviously he gave me my first chance in senior football and you know for that I'm you know really really thankful for everything he's done for me See because for the people maybe that only know Gary Hamilton through either having watched him in the stands or watching him on TV and they can see the intensity in his interviews and they can see his antics and things like that but they maybe don't see that sort of softer side to him where nearly everyone that's played for him has this story of how he's put an arm around the shoulder when they most needed it. Yeah, big time. I think what we see on on a Saturday is obviously the passion coming out. That's that's your domain, that's your work. That's what keeps you in a job essentially. But know from a Monday to Friday what he does for his players is above and beyond what a lot of managers would do for their players and for, you know for that he should be commended if you speak to any of the lads at Glenavon at the minute even though they're going through a rough patch they will want to be pulling out of that rough patch for Gary Hamilton 
not just for the fans and the club, but for Gary himself, because he does, he backs you to the hill, like, he really, really does. And he still talks to you now, even though you choose Glenn Torren? Yeah, he does. Oh, look, that's football. When that <laughs> things happen, he wasn't in a position to offer me anything, and obviously I've gone to Glenn Torren, and it, it was the right decision, you know? So, obviously I do keep in contact with him. He's a good man. He'll always ask me, you know, when your contract's up, and <laughs> he'll, he'll drop it in and see what the crack is and all. But no, most of the time he rings me up just for a chat, and we, we have really good talks, and, you know, he you know, talks about you know, different things. Not even, we don't even talk about the Irish League. We'll be talking about football here, there, and everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's great to have that relationship with somebody in the game because I mean it's interesting when you look at sort of what's going on in England at the moment and you've got different managers trying different ways Frank Lampard kind of forced to go with youth because of a transfer ban so Shar not quite set on his players so he's given young players a chance but Gary Hamilton just seems to keep finding them and, and going right here's someone we're going to give him a game and half the time you're going where's he found this one from yeah I think he's done it over the years as well I mean whenever whenever I'd signed he had brought me and Jude Ballard from Oma, and me and Jude were playing in Derry at the time. So obviously you're thinking Larry or Lurgan to Derry. Yeah. Where where's he getting that from? You know. So he obviously he's got people in the game where he goes out and watches games. But Gary himself watches football every night of the week. You know he 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 does he studies the game. He knows the game inside out. You know he he'll go and watch a player for fifteen minutes and he'll be able to tell right he's a player or he's not. Do you know what I mean? So he does. He has an eye for a player and he's he's probably similar to Big Ronnie. Ronnie was the same. Ronnie would look at you, and within half an hour, he could tell right you, you've got a bit, or you haven't. So he's he's kind of got that to his game, and you know it's 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 served and having well because they have made so much money off you know bringing players in, developing them, and then selling them. Um, it's probably I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you you probably get close to setting a record for the amount of managerial merry-go-rounds you've just experienced <laughs> yeah, as been, a person. It's been insane. I mean, whenever I'd signed for Leeds, it was Brian McDermott. I signed in the February. I went on trial. Played against Everton, we got pumped five 0 He says, "Look, stay here. We need to play against Sheffield Wednesday on the on the the following Wednesday." So played against Sheffield Wednesday. Mum and Dad come over. I scored two. We won four two. They brought me in. Deal got done there and then. McDermott was there, and he says, "Look, he says we know a lot about you. We've watched you a lot." He says, "We're gonna you know, really try and shortlist you and get you up and in quick whenever you come over after your exams and or whenever the season finishes with Glenavon." By the time I got there, McDermott was gone. They had Dave Hockaday in charge, who was the manager of Forest Green before that. So from Forest Green to Leeds United is mad, like worlds apart. But the whole the whole club had changed. I walked in, secondary had been sacked. The kit ladies had been sacked. The canteen ladies had been sacked. The pool had been drained. The sauna was empty. Jacuzzi was empty. The place was a ghost town. You had players, maybe 15, 20 grand a week, coming in with packed lunches. There was no canteen. So the club that I signed for in the February and then coming back to at the end of June was worlds apart. It was just insane. And as you say, the manager, Mary Goran, I think got five, five first-team managers. And because the first-team management was changing, the 21s and the 18 management was constantly up and down, up and down, up and down. It's, it's mad, but you know, thankfully now I've got a bit, bit more stability. I mean, Crazy. that is just incredible to try and get your head around. You're... You're young. Uh, what age were you when you went to Leeds? 17. So 17, right? You're, you're moving away from home. You're trying to settle in. You, you want to try and get a lay of the land. And everything around you is changing. How on earth are you meant to embed and get comfortable? Well, I think I think the most frustrating thing for me was because I was in a first-team environment back here. Obviously, I'd been around with Glenavon, and we'd won the Irish Cup, finished third that year. And I was around the likes of Winky, Gary, Shane McCabe, Eddie McCallion, like legends of the game. In, in this country so whenever I went back across I was thinking right well I'm going to go straight in here if McDermott's in charge he's going to have me up around the first team around men but because David Hockaday had come in he had kind of his own way the chairman as well was another story but they had put you know different steps you know Neil Redfern who was the charge of the academy he was right back down at the 18s again so I'd gone in and I was just bombed out into the 18s again so I'd gone from a first team environment back into the 18 squad where all the boys are younger than me. And I was probably a man before my time, really. I had to grow up quick. And I was running around with, you know, 17, 18 year olds again. And I'm thinking, well, hold on a minute here. I'm used to playing with men. So it was hard to come from first team level back down and try and restart again. And then obviously, whenever new managers come in, you build, you know, a reputation up. If you've scored, you know, 10 goals under one manager, as soon as he's gone, well, you have to start over again. It's clean slate. And it was just constant. And it was it, it was crazy in that, in that first kind of year, two years in Leeds, it was it was a lot of upheaval. Like You went to Lincoln, I think, after that, is that it? Yeah, it came, it was in January, and what had happened was, because there were so many managers, they'd all signed their own players, so the my second year, 
coming into the January, I wasn't getting much football because if you hadn't played for the first team on a Saturday, mm-hmm. you'd be playing the reserves. And we had 12 senior strikers at the club. So obviously I was coming in, just turned 18, and you had maybe, you know, guts of seven or eight lads in their 20s and then a couple of lads in their 30s. I was never going to get a kick. And Paul Hart had said to me, he says, look, he says, it's not up to me, it's the manager that's saying if you don't play on a Saturday, you play midweek. So I kind of took it upon myself. I says, right, well, if I'm not going to get football here and if I don't get a new contract here, I need to make sure that I've played games at a senior level whereby if I don't get a new contract, you know, I can go somewhere else. So I went to Lincoln and to be fair, I loved it. It was class. It was kind of like going back to that kind of Glenavon. You had, you know, mm-hmm. boys who had been there, maybe had dropped down a couple of leagues, or you had, you know, young lads who were in the same situation as me, dropping down and get games to go back up again. And it was class. The manager, Chris Moises, was, was brilliant with me. Obviously, I travelled down from Leeds, and there was another fella, Jamie McComb, who was travelling down from Leeds. He had a really good career, played for Huddersfield, Doncaster, and he was a really crafty, good crack kind of fella, and he really took me under his wing. And to be fair, I think he ended up driving most days as well. So <laughs> he was six foot four, so he wasn't fitting in my course. I like <laughs> it, was, it was good. No, I loved Lincoln. It was a really good city, really good club as well, and really well supported. Class crowds every week, and I'd done well. Played played a couple of games, scored a load of goals, and you know I, I did get my name back out there again with Lincoln, which was obviously the reason I went there. Uh, um, the part of the story, unfortunately, where it turns a bit sour is you get advised not to stay at Lincoln. Yeah, um, it was actually after I scored my first goal. I scored against Southport, and the gaffer rang me on a Sunday morning. He says, "Look, he says I don't know what's happening with Leeds. He says, but if they don't offer you anything, he says there's a year here for you." So I was thinking, right, okay, well, I says this isn't the conference. I say I'll get, I'll definitely get something higher up if I don't sign at Leeds. So I had done well. Uh, I think it was Bradford and Doncaster were sniffing around as well. Obviously, they'd heard that maybe Leeds weren't going to offer me a new contract. That's why I was going out on loan, blah, blah, blah. But Paul Hart had, was leaving and he had told me, he says, look, Robbie, he says, we don't think we're going to offer you a new contract. And I said, no problem. I was like, grand. I've got you know, plenty of clubs lining up for me here. So as time went on and you know the way football works, you know things didn't materialise and everything else. And I kind of half thought, and to be fair, a couple of my mates who were at Leeds in the youth team with me had said, you know, take it, sign. And I didn't sign, and then the following year they got promoted and they got into the, I think it was quarter final FA Cup, played Arsenal at the Emirates. So that's probably my biggest regret. The date was wasn't signing that year at Lincoln because they just went. Phew. And the year after, the manager that had offered me the contract, he had subsequently or subsequently left at the end of the season. And the two Cowleys had come in, and obviously it's well documented what they've done and what you know the players that have played under them have done as well. So that's you know that's that does weigh in my mind that one, but. In football, you, you can't really look back. You just kind of have to look forward. I mean, were you as confident? Because you, you tell that so seamlessly. Um, that sort of, okay, there might not be a contract for me at Leeds. Don't worry. There are other clubs out there. Is that how you really felt at the time? Or was that a bit of a bravado? Or um, No. I, I really, I, I did think, because I had done well, I was thinking something else is going to pop up here. And because I had maybe played the guts of 50 first-team games already at the age of 19, I was thinking, right, well, somebody will take a punt on. It's different if you're coming out of an academy system mm. and you've played no first-team minutes. Okay, if you're training with the first team, that's great. But if you're not playing on a Saturday, you're no good to anybody. So, no, I the agent at the time I was with as well, he says, look, I've got plenty of clubs ringing me. It's not going to be a problem, blah, blah, blah. So whenever Leeds turn around and says, well, look, we're not going to give you a new deal, I was kind of like, well, no problem. Somebody else will give me a punt. Do you know what I mean? And then, obviously, I, I, went, I did go to Fleetwood in, in the summer after and got injured, Stephen Presley ended up leaving, again another manager upheaval, then because Fleetwood hadn't offered me something, Doncaster kind of pulled out, and Bradford kind of pulled out, and I just, it was just a merry-go-round, and unfortunately for the boys over here, because you're, you don't know many people, you know, it's always the same old story, it's about who you know, and if you can't pick up a phone and ring somebody yourself, sometimes you make things just don't materialise, and you know, that's what happened, but again, if, I think if I had a sign for, for Lincoln, you know, it, it could have been very different. Did it colour your judgement in terms of agents? Because I know obviously you ended up going down because York City and it was a disaster in your own words. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where whenever you're you're doing well, it's great. But whenever things maybe turn, to sur- turn sour, you're maybe put to the back of the queue. And there's countless number of boys that you know, I've played with and boys that I've heard about that as soon as you're gone, they just drop you at the drop of a hat. And that's, unfortunately, that's football. Everybody's looking for the next best thing. And if mm-hmm. you're not that so-called next best thing, then you're no good anyway. And, you know, that's the thing. It's your commodity. And that, it, it does become very, very disheartening at times. But, you know, you just, you just have to get on with it. You have to get on with it. To experience that so young, in some ways that might actually stand you in good stead. Big time. I wouldn't change it for the world. And I always say that. My mum would always say, you know, uh, we would be sitting talking and stuff. And she'd say, well, would you change anything? And obviously, other than signing for Lincoln 
probably not. Because I'm 23, but I probably feel the best part 27, 28 for what I've experienced in the game. I learned more in the two and a half, three years at Leeds and Lincoln than I could have ever done if I had gone into academy, you know, fast-tracked into the first team and straight into football. But I learned more about the game itself and how it works from the poor times, the poor form, you know, manager upheaval than I could have ever done in probably a whole career worth, you know what I mean? And it's incredible to think in that, you know, I'm sure everyone back home is almost blissfully unaware of how hard it is for you once you go across because they're going, oh, Robbie's made it, he's in England, that'll do, you know. Yeah, it is, it is. it's hard, you know, because whenever I went across, um, you know, I had all my mates back at home doing their exam results and all going out and having fun. And, you know, obviously I was sitting in digs on my own, uh, getting ready to go to train at half eight in the morning. And that's just the way it is. You have to grow up quick. But in saying that, you know, the memories that I have from doing that, I would never, ever, ever want to change. And you do, you do make sacrifices. That's that's you make sacrifices in whatever line of work you do. But you know, professional football is one of those ones where you do have to, you know, up and leave sticks whenever you have to. And you know, that's just a part of the game. But it's you know, it's one of those things I'd never change for the world. It was you know, the three three and a half years that I was away. It was you know. Was unbelievable. And I loved it. Loved it. Was it hard for you to make that move across? Because we often hear fellas from here, uh, you know, there's a real attachment to home, and that sort of having to uproot yourself can be almost harder than than what you do when you're there. Yeah, I'm a, uh, it is and it isn't. I suppose everybody's different. Um, kind of the the, pr- the previous year, I'd be, I'd been on trial with Redden and Southampton, and they were really pushing, and I was thinking, okay, I could be away here. And then I went to Huddersfield as well, and they were mad for me and. You know, I was thinking, I, I'm going to be away here. So I kind of faced the fact that all right, I'm, I'm going to be up and leaving here. But whenever I had, whenever I was kind of in around all those clubs and stuff, the international, um, the setups under 17s, under 19s and all, because I was going away maybe 10 days at a time or five days here and there, you're going to maybe Estonia, Slovakia, all these mad places. That was setting me up for an easier transition because I'd been away, I'd lived that lifestyle, had little snippets of it. So I was kind of ready for the move whenever I came. The most probably the most unfortunate thing for me was my exams didn't finish until the 25th of June and I moved on the 28th so obviously I had my head in books studying until the 25th of June obviously was trying to do training trying to keep myself fit but you know as you're studying it's hard you're trying to get your exams and then three days later I was up through into training first of July you were in and you were running like really really hard so you know it was difficult in that in that perspective, if I had had you know four or five weeks where I could have said, right, well, I'm going to get myself in good nick here and then go, but obviously just with the way school and everything had worked, it was hard. And you got your exams? Yeah, I got my exams. Thanks be to God. So, <laughs> but they're in the back pocket. I can always you know dip into them whenever I need them. <laughs> He's here to tell the tale. It's an amazing story, and I mean, you know, if we we take it right back as a youngster, were you always going to be a footballer? Were you always dreaming of being a footballer? Maybe I guess with your dad and and everything he'd achieved, that he sort of had that in front of you. Yeah, yeah, but I'd, I'd always say that, yeah, whenever I was in school and teachers would say, right, well, what do you want to be? I'd say, oh, I want to be a footballer. They kind of look at you because I'm from Oma, which is, you know, a predominantly a Gaelic town and they wouldn't have many footballers coming out of there. I think Ivan's Brule is probably the closest one they've had. So I said, oh, yeah, I want to be a footballer. They kind of look and say, right, well, catch yourself on. What's your real job? What do you really want to do? <laughs> I'm, like, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to be a footballer. So whenever it did kind of happen, kind of the teachers, and my English, I remember one of my English teachers, she hadn't a clue about football. Like, and she says, well, she says, uh, Robbie, what, what subjects are you doing next year? I says, I'm off, miss. I'm going to Leeds. She says, <laughs> what are you going to Leeds for? Is your family up on a movement? I says, no, nah, I've signed a contract with Leeds United. She says, she says no, no, you haven't. I says, I'm telling you now, I've said, I'm going to be a professional footballer. <laughs> and she couldn't believe it. Like, and it was, it was one of those surreal moments where I could actually finally say, well, I'm going to be a professional footballer. That was great. That must have been nice because <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that's weird. I remember um, when I was telling my family as probably early teens, like, I really want to work in the media. I'd love to be on the radio, right? And uh, even though we do TV stuff, and I always tell people radio is the thing I fell in love with. It's the thing I enjoy the most. And uh, <laughs> they're going, well, okay, that's nice, but what are you really going to do? Yeah. And it's that sort of, so I can relate in a sense, okay, I wasn't quite playing for Leeds United, but um, it's that when you finally get to a level where you can turn around and go, do you believe me now? Yeah, it's a, that's I, a nice it is, it's, you know, because obviously I had worked from the age of maybe, you know, 9, 10, 11, to get to that point and obviously whenever it comes it's, it's it is really really satisfying obviously my mum and dad put a lot of hard yards in you know bringing me down to Derry bringing me to games you know taking me here there and everywhere so it was you know it was gratification for 
my hard work, but also their hard work as well. Because, I mean, as much as you think, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to work hard and I'm a good player and all, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. But for me, it did happen, obviously, and it was, you know, it was it was really, really pleasing and it was satisfying. Like And a good ground in an early age as well, being involved in what was in the Milk Cup, the Foil Cup competitions like that, which yeah. are competitive and there's such amazing young players at them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably where it all kind of took off for me. Um I I've been down at Maiden City and I've been obviously pick, I picked up a lot of injuries because you know, as you're growing you do pick up and you know injuries that you wouldn't necessarily do if you're a fully grown man. So whenever the the Mill Cup teams and all kind of came around, that was my platform to go out and show. You know, obviously you knew about the well documented scouts and clubs that were coming to watch games, so that was your time to shine as such. So that was probably after Mill Cup came. I remember the first Mill Cup I played in. You know, Paul Key was the manager at the time. He pulled me down. He says, look. He says, Aston Villa were at the game today. You know, they're going to take you on trial in November. And I remember actually running up the stairs at the moon and I nearly cried. I was just like, that's, <laughs> you know, that's what I came here to do. And now I've, I've got that. And I'm, you know, I, all I need to do now is keep doing what I'm doing. Go there with my held head high and then just see what happens. So it was, it's crazy. But those Mill Cup and Foy Cups are, even now, I look back and I think, oh, what a week. Unbelievable. Playing football every day of the week. It's just, I'm sure that's everybody's dream. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, that I can't even imagine sort of how amazing, exciting, and scary that is because obviously you come together, you've your your team and all the rest of it, and you want to go and do as well as you can. But all of a sudden, being told there's scouts here from X, Y, and Z, what's scarier? Playing in front of those Glentoran fans or knowing there's an Aston Villa scout or whoever? <laughs> probably, probably knowing that there's a scout up in the up in the stands. <laughs> honest to God, I, there's there's times when I remember I was at games and whether it be a Glenavon game or Main City and you'd look over and you'd see somebody wearing say a Leeds United coat a big long coat and you're thinking there's a scout yeah. I better be playing well today and <laughs> everything goes out the window you're absolutely <laughs> nagging it you really are you're really really scared and and then sometimes whenever you are told that there's somebody there watching you you don't play your normal game because you're trying to overly impress I'd rather put earmuffs in go in listen to what the manager has to say team talk put earmuffs back in go out warm up play the game just try and block everything out and I'm I'm kind of guilty for that. I try and think as little about games as I can because the less I think about it, sometimes the better you play. So you mentioned there about being a scout watching out a match. It must be being on the pitch. I'm sure you're looking around to try and spot the scout. If that makes sense. Yeah, you you'd be trying to get a wee feel of who it is. You know, if it's oh who's that? Oh, it's only Doncaster, <laughs> and I don't, I don't I'm not not too bothered. Oh, is it United? Oh, here we go then. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's it's one of those ones who you know you you do you, you kind of see the there was always there was two or three scouts that always come to our games at at, uh, at Glenavon. There was like a Leicester scout, a Burnley scout, I think it was a Birmingham scout as well. There were obviously three massive clubs, so you'd always be kind of you know. Seeing who it is, oh, yeah, I see him coming in the door here. Right, I'm, I'm on it today. I need to be doing well today. So it's it's mad. Like whenever you're that age, you do. You're just dying to get that opportunity. Like you're just dying to get it. Like, and it's interesting hearing you basically saying you want to stay out of your own head as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think sometimes whenever you think too much, you overcomplicate things. And you know, I'm kind of fella where I do overthink things, and I'll you know I'll let things weigh on my mind. I remember the first season where I just come home, it was. I think I'd gone on a streak of maybe 15 games I hadn't scored and I was beating myself up massively about it. But I think over the, the course of the last couple of seasons, I've really managed or been able to manage my thoughts and manage you know what everybody else is saying and all. And I do try and you know really, whenever I come out of the ground on a Saturday, I, I do try and just put it to bed. And you know thankfully, with my missus at the minute, she's in Leeds, so I, I travel over and that kind of travelling, getting away, going and seeing her and then coming back on a Monday morning does give me that kind of little respite as such so it, it is it is nice in that in that kind of scenario because I can get away even going down to Oma you're out of the Belfast you can go home you know there'll be no no talk about it until Monday so it's nice to have that you know, that, that ability to get away as such that's probably really helpful as well I mean how do you cope with that because I, I know even from commentating on football matches my girlfriend gives me a stick for going you're just hyper after football and I completely, I, I just am. I, I You kind of get that energy because you're at a game and there's excitement. Yeah. I'm sure it's similar when you're playing and you, if you've had a good day, it's all you want to talk about. If you've had a bad day, it's all you can think about. Yeah, it is. I mean, thankfully, I, I, my, my mum and dad are really good at grounding me. I've always been really grounded and like even last week when I scored a three, I come out and you know, I'm never too high, never too low. And I suppose you can't, you can't be. Um, probably even more so at Glen Thorne because, you know, 
if we, I mean, if we go out on Saturday and we get pumped six 0 they're going to be banned for blood, and and that's that's the nature of, of the game and, and you know of our club as such. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you you can never be too high, never too low, and you always have to remain that kind of consistent level because you know you're only as good as your last game. You're only ever as good as your last game. That's uh, very good advice. So we've lots more coming up with Robbie McDade, but uh, now on the program, it's time for this. Yes, it's now time for Where's Your Head At, the part of the programme where we look at the weird and wonderful things that have been going on in the world in the last week or so, and if we can't figure them out, well, we just make fun of them. What else would you do? Colin, do you want to go first? One sort of article sort of caught my eye a little bit is uh, Massimilio Rossini, who's uh, coach at Italian under 18 side, Invictus Saurio. Apologies for the pronunciation. It sounded authentic to me. Basically, uh, he, he was coaching their under 18 side to a fantastic 27 0 victory last week. Uh, they beat uh, Marina Calcio 27 0, which I thought great scoreline. I'm sure he'll get a good pat in the back, but no, he got sacked. Oh. He was sacked basically because he didn't take the game seriously. He should let the other team have a chance, according to the board of directors, and sacked oh. him on the spot. Wow. The other team complained apparently because uh, they could have eased off at 6 or 7 nil, but they didn't. Kept on going. The other team complained and they thought it was unfair and sacked him. That's like when, uh, you know, when you're playing youth football and the paper won't print the scoreline beyond a certain score <laughs> and you're second. You go, That's the only time I've ever flipping scored. No, no, no. It doesn't matter that you're a defender and you're useless. We're not we're not putting your goal in. It's a 4 nil or something. Ah, come off it. Always hated that. 27 nil. I'd have hugged him, not sacked him. <laughs> Well, that's his job on the on the line. That's him going. A very interesting development with Spain. Obviously, um, they've sacked Moreno and uh, Luis Enrique has come back now. For anyone not aware of the story, Luis Enrique, under very sad circumstances, had to step away. Um, his child was very sick and, and then sadly passed away. So Moreno stepped in for the time being and helped Spain qualify for the Euros. Now, apparently there was sort of a gentleman's agreement in there that Moreno said... When the time comes, Lewis, when you want to come back to the job, I'll step aside for you. Well, they just got themselves into the Euros and Enrique says, OK, I'm ready now. Mm. And apparently Moreno said, well, actually, would you mind if I just continued on? So the Spanish FA said, no, it's Enrique's job. And Enrique, so incensed that Moreno wanted to stay on and not honour his original promise, sacked him. So uh, he's completely gone from the camp entirely, which is, I mean, Spain are a tumultuous nation at the best of times. Look at just how fractious things have gone. Look at the preparation for the last World Cup and their manager and everything there. And gosh, you wouldn't want to be Lopetegui really these days either, although he's doing all right with Sevilla. But it's just a, a crazy time in football for them. And um, well, <laughs> Enrique doesn't suffer fools. And uh, Moreno's original loyalty, he felt wasn't there anymore and he said that he was too ambitious that was his sin and uh, he sacked him so he's gone no loyalty in football is there no certainly not win or lose yeah I think he pretty much said there well look if you're that keen to to keep this job you're obviously going to come after me at some point so we don't need you Mm -hmm. here and away you go friendship over I suppose as well whenever it's a gentleman's agreement if it's not in writing you're always liable for somebody to turn around, you know, turn around and go the other way. So yeah. it's, you know, it sounds like a judge render that, doesn't it? <laughs> 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 I mean, I've not watched any daytime TV recently. What am I saying? What else goes in this week, Colin? Peter Crouch being substituted from his punter day position. <laughs> I was doing punter day at a BT Sport match and unfortunately lost his voice completely and had to be substituted, had to be taken off the panel because he couldn't get his words out. That's really, that'd be so scary, that happening. I couldn't. That'd be my absolute nightmare. I couldn't think of anything. You'd be out of a job. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be out of a job. That's all you're doing. Like it's the only thing. You're only here to talk, and you yeah. can't. I remember doing a game down at Warren Point, and I ha- I was feeling a bit croaky. wasn't feeling the best, and I was told, "Don't worry, you're not the main game." And at the last minute, something changed. I went, "Right, you're the main game." And the amount of times I was throwing questions to my co-commentator, here comes the dark arts, and I someone to go, "Well, you did what?" But I was turning my mic off, coughing and spluttering, gulping water. I must have drank like two or three litres of water just to try and sound like my voice wasn't about to cave in at any minute. And we, our game went to extra time. Oh, <laughs> it was a cup wow. game. And we survived. <laughs> and I don't think too many people noticed. So it was uh, a relief. But I, that's the most scared I've been in terms of my own ability. Because, you, you know, there's days where you're, you don't perform as well as other days, the same yeah. as anything. But the thought of my voice might stop. Yeah. Well, 
your only that's your only function as soon as your voice stops what happens yeah. next it's a so, of losing his feet isn't it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we got through it but no that's a I can recall I can recall working in a call centre num- numerous years ago and my voice went on the middle of a call and they couldn't explain to the customer my voice had went and the customer went sorry I can't hear you what speak up speak up <laughs> and I couldn't tell my manager my voice had gone because there was literally no voice whatsoever so I was going what is this guy doing so I'm sure the customer had no idea what was happening but interesting not recommended there you go recommended. if you remember that phone call uh, 20 years ago uh, <laughs> as we all start to worry about our voices exactly. on this programme uh, we didn't talk about it last week but I meant to mention Gareth Bale and his his little banner that was handed to him by yes. a supporter, uh, Wheels Golf Madrid, in that order, um, which it sounds like something that fell out of the inside of Gareth's mind, if I'm being totally honest. The Real Madrid fans haven't reacted very happily to it, Kel Surprise. Um, he's surely not going to be there much longer, is he? You wouldn't have thought so. That's a relationship uh, that never really worked out. No. The thing is, though, too, the, the contract work, works both ways. You know, if a club wants a player out, you know, and the player doesn't want to go, well then, tough. It's the same as if a player wants to go, but the club want to keep him. Tough. Do you know what I mean? So that's the way it is. You got you know, a contract works both ways, so you know, he's wonder fully entitled. Wonder how long that contract has to go. Mm. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, Mr. Contract Extension over here talking about uh, <laughs> the ins and outs. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need an agent at all. He's well savvy. Yeah, like a solicitor. Um, I don't know if uh, <laughs> I don't know if uh, a managers ever give you this advice, and maybe it'd be best if you don't disclose it, Robbie. But Antonio Conte, right? He's been offering advice to his players, so I'm going to be careful at uh, this time of day to say it, but he's been uh, saying, I advise my players to have sex for short periods and with the minimum amount of effort, use positions that uh, will put them under less strain with their partners. Isn't that, isn't like, he's publicly said this, Antonio Conte giving sex ed classes. It's actually a sexual intercourse. Hey! Uh, No, nothing? No. Uh, (laughs) I just say, that that must be awkward. Look, guys, I want you to enjoy your lives, but how many people in Inter are coming in with that type of injury? I don't want to know. Why did that come into the conversation? That's what I want to know. Some of the stuff you hear in a changing room in football, trust me. (laughs) Conte's is probably very, very minimal compared to what I've seen. Does Mick give that sort of advice (laughs) at Lentor? No, Mick doesn't, but there's a couple of other lads (laughs) that would be uh, keen to give theirs. Oh, that's. Uh, will we move on quickly? I think we're better. How about the Copa Libertadores? Did you watch it? Nope. Have to be honest, I did, and it wasn't a wonderful match. River Plate bossed it for most of it, and Flamengo went and scored two late goals later on. Gabriel Barbosa um, with a double, and then actually got himself sent off as well. Just the most ridiculous end day game of football. Flamengo get their two goals, get their win. After that, River Plate lose their heads, have a man sent off. And Barboza, as he's riling up the crowd, already in a yellow card, gets a, a se- or gets a second yellow, gets his marching orders. And you're thinking, how is this game, which had one goal, few opportunities, ended up with three goals and two reds. Mm. But um, for if you could just isolate three or four minutes of a match, it's match of the year. And yet everything that went before it was useless. Mm. Those, those South American games are mad. Like Sometimes, you, you know, obviously we don't get to see much of them over here, but you always see you know, clips on Twitter or on Facebook, and you're just thinking... Is this football? Yeah. <laughs> it, it is football, but that was we know it. Yeah. And uh, his record, not too shabby either, by the way. Uh, in 2019, 54 games, 40 goals, 11 assists. And uh, his late brace, obviously, got covered a little bit of Doris for Flamengo, which uh, they'd been a long time coming for the Brazilian side as well. So he's on loan at the moment, and uh, unsurprisingly, they want to bring him there full time. But uh, he's a bit of a madman, isn't uh, afraid to get himself about on the pitch or put himself about in the pitch and uh, and they love it so uh, there you go sorry for anyone that was rooting for a river plate listening to this but uh, Flamenco did it I think I'll put myself in the words your head out this week as, as you know I was, wasn't too well last week so sort of from Tuesday night right through to sort of uh, Friday tea time I was lying low didn't watch any news didn't watch any social media and turned on the Spurs press conference expecting to see Pochettino and all of a sudden Marino <laughs> popped up and go, what the flip's going on here? What's yeah. Marino doing in this? Because I, you know? I had heard absolutely nothing about the change of manager and I, d- I thought it was dreaming to be honest. You, know, it was a bad <laughs> you thought, dream, how, so. how sick am I? <laughs> 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 J- Jose Mourinho eventually turned turn up in your living room though. I mean, he, he literally goes everywhere, doesn't he? He's got off to a good start, by the way. 
he has, I have to give him his credit, and hopefully it doesn't continue. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, their game against Olympiacos is probably a where's your head at. You know, they're 2-0 they're down. They pull one back in stoppage time of the first half, and then they go and get their three in the second half. Uh, Kane gets two, Aurier gets one, added on to Deli Ali's goal, and they, they get their amazing win. Well done to the ball boy, you got the ball back quicker. I know, I love that, to be honest. That's <laughs> that's kind of classic Jose Mourinho, where he's... But it was Pochettino's son. Was it? The ball boy was Pochettino's son. He plays for the under-15 team. Oh, he's a traitor. Flavio, <laughs> traitor, you should have lumped it. He <laughs> should have absolutely leathered it away. Sack me as well, will you? Yeah, oh, fair play. Well, there you go. See, a bit of Poch influence after. I didn't know that. Very good. Yeah, I was on Twitter yesterday. I was reading up on it. There's been there's been some crazy ones. Obviously, the Manchester United game. I am probably where's your head up for that because uh, the, the Man United game against Sheffield United. I watch it. Man United are two 0 down. Seventieth minute. I'm like, this is enough. I, I go and have my dinner. I get a, a WhatsApp message to go. They're they're winning. What are you on about? Thinking it was a joke. Man United three two. All right, I'll turn the TV back on. Sheffield United score. <laughs> Uh, how have I managed to only see the goals the team I support can see? Last time I was in, you gave off to me. That's in the Chelsea match, I remember. I wasn't in charge of the dinner. Mm. I wasn't in charge of the dinner. I mean, there's certain things on a Sunday that are sacred. You know what I mean? Someone goes roast dinner, you're not going to go after the game. No. <laughs> I'm in there fighting for the roasties. Um, Robert Lewandowski deserves a mention as well. The guy, uh, he, what did he say? He's addicted to scoring goals. Uh, he isn't half. Uh, just another four for him. Uh, during the week in the Champions League, fastest four-goal goal haul in Champions League history. He got them in around 14 minutes. Uh, that's pff, he's frightening. Yeah, he's frightening. Uh, at some point, you're like, he, surely he's gonna, you know, go down. He just seems to be peaking, like a fine wine, Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> um, what else goes in there this week? I mean, what about Bosnia? You know, getting yeah. ready for a big game against Northern Ireland. And um, we're humming and hand about whether we've got a manager for that game or not. We think we do. Uh, well, at the moment, as things stand, Bosnia don't. Yes, why would you sack a manager who's got yet into the playoffs? You know, just ahead of a, an important game. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But hey, Bosnian football. Hey, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Uh, I just hope they don't get that new manager bounce. Yeah, well, that's, so I was that's thinking. Fair. Look at that reaction, and that's the last thing you'd want. That's the, the thing that makes me a little nervous. And since we're throwing ourselves into words, your head, I had a cracker yesterday. I, I thought I'd pretty much finished a coffee, right? And one of those wee disposable cups, and the lid was on it. And you know, they've only eat, you have a real effort to get anything out of them. The lid is that flipping useless. And so I thought, I'm done. I'll throw it in the bin. And for all the wee slither of coffee in the bottom of it, it sprung up somehow magically through the lid that now worked and completely smattered the wall just through there. So I, I was quite nervous a moment ago because when we were talking, here's uh, breaking the fourth wall of radio, I noticed the cleaner was in the other room. And what she doesn't know, and she will now because I'm admitting it on the radio, is that I borrowed uh, one of her sprays that I saw sitting in a bucket and actually cleaned the wall myself. <laughs> and I think I've got away with it. The joys of show business. She didn't look in. I had a stinker in Apple Green last week. You know, you, you go, as you come in the doors on the left-hand side, coffee machine. Pour myself a lot of coffee, you know, have a direct demo, apple green them up and down the road that many times. As early <laughs> as I've turned, walk straight into this fella in a suit, oh. drop the coffee all over his nice oh. shiny shoes. I, 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 even, I didn't even get another one. I just cleaned it up and walked straight out. Just absolute head loss. Oh, <laughs> was, it, was it a little Enfield season ticket holder? Was it? <laughs> it probably was with the way he looked at me. <laughs> well, he won't be a Glen season ticket holder after that. That's fantastic. There you go. That's uh, this week's Where's Your Head At? on that haven't we you, you've you spilt your coffee I actually um, before I did my first European commentary I was in a and it was a room with people and I was sort of nervous because my first European assignment I thought oh, you know you want to do well tonight and you're in with people you don't really know and I uh, got shown where you can make your own coffee and I went, great and I managed to completely scald myself I was talking to someone and I didn't realise it overpoured the coffee. I was so like, oh, well, I don't know who you are. And uh, people probably think, oh, he, this guy talks so much nonsense so often he doesn't get nervous. But of course you do. And I'm like pouring the coffee and like looking at the guy in a wee paper cup and the, the coffee just flows over onto my hand. And you're like, this doesn't hurt at all. How are you? Yes, and have a good game, sir. All the best. Yes, I'll try. <laughs> Go into the bathroom. Cold tap. Stinker. <laughs> So there you go. If you ever see me pouring you a coffee, if I'm making too much eye contact, just tell me to stop uh, <laughs> for my own safety. Uh, Robbie, let's uh, let's get back to the safer waters. We're talking about you, shall we? Um, 
Glenn Torin, you obviously big talk about the investment. Um, I believe a, a new gym installed as well. Yeah, we've got a new performance center. Um, then the change rooms up as well, new physio room and stuff. So uh, it's it's looking really really good. Obviously, it's it's a big help for you know the the likes of the boys who are injured and stuff, and they're probably spending a bit more time in there than than the rest of us. Um, but no, it's 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 really nice. You know, it's a nice environment to go and you know train and work in and stuff. So it it is. It's you know they're making steps forward, and it's you know at the oval was you know well documented that it needed. I like a paint as such, so it's uh, it's nice to get a it's nice to get a, a, a bit of improvements around the place. You said that, not me. There's <laughs> <laughs> also been talk about a three G pitch, possibly. Are you in favour or against three G pitches? Uh, I'm not fond of them personally. Um, obviously, I had I'd done an interview on A on, on BBC, and he had asked me. He said, "Oh, from your knee?" I said, "Well, I've patellar tendonitis. We played for the last six or seven months, and." We played obviously last Saturday and then played the Wednesday night against Cliftonville on the three G pitch and I couldn't move on Thursday. It's just I don't know what it is, but I, I think I think long term I think it does take maybe a couple of years off your off your career and you do feel a lot sore on a Sunday morning after playing on a three G than you do on grass. So I, I'm I'm a kind of traditionalist, I like the grass. And you're back in three G tomorrow? Back in 3G tomorrow, yeah, just as I said. <laughs> so uh, Sunday morning will be uh, will be a stiff one again. Mm. But uh, obviously that the, the pitch up there is, you know, it's it's difficult to play on, and they're probably more suited to it. But I think in terms of financially, I think, you know, even in Scotland, you see more and more teams doing it. Even in the lower leagues in England, you've yeah. got more clubs going 3G, and you know, as as a business model, it's it's obviously the way to go with them. And uh, obviously alluding to the fact that uh, Cliftonville up next, uh, they've had a tremendous start to the season. You're under no illusions, I'm sure, how hard that's going to be. Yeah, they're they're obviously a really really good team. They're, they're solid throughout, and they've got you know good squad depth this year. And Paddy McLaughlin's done done wonders since he's gone in. They, you know, over the last you know number of years I've been here, they've had the makings of a top two top team in the league. You know, but it's probably just been consistency that they've struggled with. Um, and obviously this year, I think I think they've only conceded was a thirteen goals or something. So, you know, clean sheets. You know, you can't lose a game if you're getting a clean sheet. So it, it seems to be the case where they're they're not leaking many and they're, and they're scoring loads. Love that as a striker you're looking at that. Yeah, so that's my way of digging out the defenders. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> you're not keeping clean sheets and you're not giving us a chance to win the game for you. you. See, he said that, oh, I keep out of my own head, trying not to think about much as much as possible. How many goals against this season? <laughs> <laughs> I like the stats. It's, yeah. uh, it's Marshall Gillespie, or Gillespie on Twitter. I'm <laughs> constantly looking at his, his Twitter feed. <laughs> so there you go. You're, Marshall, any nice stats you can dig up for uh, Robbie ahead or after the game tomorrow, he'd be, he'd be more than happy. Um, Looking at things uh, for you, obviously you have uh, signed a new contract. That's a, a great indicator of how well the club think of you. Um, does that also reward off some interest? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean it's probably no secret that there was you know, clubs interested and stuff. And obviously, I've signed until the end of next season. Um, I think in this league as well, sometimes you know I, I kind of. You know, in the in the bigger league, you know, in the Premiership and Championship, you do want to sign those four or five year contracts. But I think whenever you're at home, like obviously my my life is a lot different. I've got things outside of football as well. So I think the eighteen month contract that I signed a couple of weeks ago suited me to the ground because I just I don't know what could happen in a year. You know, um, you know I was due to do a physiotherapy degree this year and had, kind of had to put it off and stuff. So you know, it does kind of weigh on my mind and it's something I think about. But obviously, like f- from from my point of view obviously I didn't want to go anywhere else at the minute anyway um, I'm really enjoying my football I'm playing every week and I'm doing well and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think I'm well thought of up there the fans have always been really really good with me and you know, I'm enjoying it and you know, if you're enjoying something you know, there's no need to change really Do you still harbour any beliefs or any hopes of a return to playing in England at all? Or yeah so? I mean I feel I know probably a lot of people say I feel I've probably had a raw deal um, as you say obviously I had five managers in two years and then went to York and and I think there was the guts of you know eighty players that had come through the club in a calendar year with you know the back-to-back relegations they had and stuff. So, you know, I, I do think I have some you know unfinished business, and you know I think every every player in the world wants to play at the highest level. So you know if the opportunity did come to come back across the water again, I'd seriously have to sit down and think about it. Like, and what about League of Ireland? I mean, has that been something you ever thought about? Uh, I'm looking and I'm thinking of Jamie McDonough and the interview he's given this week where. Uh, he's been linked with the move to Crusaders. He's obviously at Derry City at the moment. St Pat's are looking at him too, and he's saying he's looking at his options. But even though Crusaders would be geographically the closest to him, with him being from Lisburn, he he thinks League of Ireland's a, a bigger, more exciting league at the minute, and that's he's entitled to that view. And so he's he's weighing his options up between those two clubs. Would you look at that? I mean, you'd have to. I mean, you can never say never in football. I've said the minute of. I'm very very happy at Glen Thorne, and you know you just never know what could happen to the line. I could find myself out of the team for the next. 
year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then obviously if you're you're not playing football and you're not happy, I'll always love the club. You know, it doesn't matter if I was to leave tomorrow morning, I would still absolutely love the football club and, and always will because it's ingrained in our family history. But at the end of the day, you're 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 a footballer and you want to be playing every week. So I mean, the League of Ireland, it's well documented. You know, this all Ireland league and stuff, and the, the the League of Ireland probably is maybe five six years down the line in terms of you know league development, full time teams, money and such. So you know, it's it's something obviously you'd have to sit down and weigh up. And does it work for you? Does it work for your family? Does it work for you know your life outside of football as well? Because a lot of people forget about that. You know, there's kids and families involved. So because we're sitting talking about you know your dad played for Glen Torn. He played for Derry City too. He did. Yeah, he had a host of clubs. He, he went on loan to Shamrock Rovers. Played for Finn Harps. He was obviously ported down. He was Dungan Swift for a short period of time. So he's been here, there, and everywhere. But my dad, my dad always. Spoke highly of the League of Ireland as well, loved it. Um, he's actually got a picture in the house where he was scoring a cracker at the Brandywell and stuff. So, you know, he he loved it, and you know, he said that in those days, you know, the money wasn't really, you know, there wasn't a, a big gap. But obviously now there yeah, there yeah. is a significant pay re- uh, gap there. Whenever you talk about the two leagues, like you mentioned, there the All Ireland League, and we have debated this ongoing. Your thoughts on it? I th- I think it would be I think it would be brilliant. Um, but there's obviously things in the way of it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about the finance and stuff. But I think the, the the biggest problem of the whole thing is the geography, and that's something you can't change. You know, you can change the format leagues, you can change money situations, you can change you know things within clubs. But geography is one thing that you can't change. And I mean, if you were say if you're institute, and you're having to travel down to Cork on a Friday night, or if you are Korean and you're travelling to Limerick on a Thursday night for fans to get down and obviously if players are going to do that they need to be full time they need to be getting 52 week contracts and all so it is I think it would be brilliant in the long run um, but I, I just think at the minute there's there's a lot of a lot of things in the way of it but I, w- I would love to see him I'd love to see him yeah, it'd be very interesting certainly to see um, where that could go um, I, I love that there's a picture up in the house of him score. Have you, if you could frame a moment from your career, let's let's do that. It, what would you have up there so far? Oh. Let's like an early Rushmore moment. I feel like you know. Um, I don't really know. I've I've had I've had so many memories that you know I've come home on a Saturday night and I've had to pinch myself. But if there's one, just hanging out with Curtis Allen, probably with that. Uh, yeah, he's got the best quiff in football, isn't he? <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I, to be fair, I, I scored. But two weeks after I moved to Leeds, I'd scored a hat trick for York, and I remember feeling or against York, sorry, and I felt about ten feet tall, and that was probably one of those days where I thought, oh, this is this is magic here. But even a couple of weeks ago, the two goals against Balamina, it was a cracker just standing in front and looking at everybody. It was. It's amazing. There's probably that many. I, I, I couldn't pick one for sure like. that's a, a nice answer just on goal celebrations Craig tweeted us a while ago um, saying can you ask Robbie about his goal celebrations he seems to have a different one every time he scores do you, do you wing them do you prepare them or they... no they just come naturally I mean you could be I could be sitting in the car driving on the way up and I think right if I score today I'm going to do this and then as soon as I score and turn around it's just like ah. <laughs> just, it just goes out of your head you know what I mean as soon as you get that euphoria it just it just it, it, it just does come naturally. Whatever comes natural, it happens, you know. But I think I, I, there was a couple of ones where I would get so angry after scoring. The boys would say, like, well, what's your problem? You've just scored. And I was like, yeah, but I'm angry. I was just frustration. I'm just glad to score and get the monkey off my back and all. They're like, you need to smile more. I mean, because Curtis <laughs> has got that one where he's like a little butterfly flying off any like. So I'll probably try and nail down a trademark one here in the next in the next couple of months yeah maybe that's a good idea after this programme now everybody you can start sending your goal celebration suggestions um, to Robbie and we can see what we can work out for you but that's it's a funny thing different people are motivated obviously in, in their own ways as well sometimes when you have a bit of a chip on your shoulder something's gone against you that's just the best time to, to get the goal yeah I mean <laughs> I remember whenever I was younger the amount of people said you know anger management like that you've just scored and you're not smiling you're punching the floor and you're effing and blinding or whatever else and I just think that it's one of those things that it's each to their own I mean if you've got a centre half a score like Piercy Couple of, like a couple of months ago, he scored an offside goal. I think it was against Balamina. He's got off into the corner, and he's it looks like he's like churning butter. <laughs> and you're just thinking, well, that's obviously somebody who doesn't score many goals. And then you've got <laughs> likes of Curtis and Dusel who are goal, goals every week, and they've just got it down to T. So it probably just comes with you know how many goals you score, how many frequent or how frequent you're you're able to, to perform it as such. Uh, in fairness, the big Pat McLean when he scores the overhead kick, I mean he should have just run all the way home, shouldn't he? I mean, yeah, he was pretty chill, wasn't he? He was he just was, he kind of gave the drug by the little pumps. Yeah, yeah. Like I was watching that as a neutral, and I, I at home on the TV, and I was going, whoa, 
but just because it's ridiculous in every way to see yeah. that go from him. Um, I was I was at the far side, so I was sitting giving it loads to the fans, and then and Piersy was walking over. I jumped on Piersy's back, and he started cramping up. He had to go off. He had to go off two minutes later. Big man was cramping. Oh, you, up. you've done him there. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's still young in his head, and you're going. He can't even support me. Oh yeah, he's Peter Pan. Huh? <laughs> Um, just on some of the teammates um, as we come to the end of the interview here uh, who are some of the big personalities the big characters because obviously you're no wallflower yourself oh, there's a lot in our change room there's some absolute cannons to say the least um, you got Pepper who just loves to hear the sound of his own voice obviously Piersy he's won a couple of league medals so he's always chirping up about that you've got Dujo obviously and Paddy, Curtis, Callum Burney, you've got so many lads just love the chirp up. We've got a really good group to be fair and you know the banter does be flying and stuff like even little Johnny Fraser he's always in the corner chirping up and niggling up he's like that little Jack Russell in the corner and he like <laughs> and you've got Cameron his big brother like Laura and Hardy them too they're always bantering everybody and to be fair it's good and even Wendy Wendy's the same and he's always been that way even from when I was a kid like just constant banter but in saying that whenever it is time to work and you know knuckle down and be serious you know the boys have got that that switch where they can turn it off and right where time to tend to play now. And what about when it comes to training? Are they all good trainers? Are they all happy with this sort of new uh, you know facility for working out? Or who would be the the one that uh, needs the most encouragement? <sighs> Doozle will be up there. Doozle will be up there. Piersy whenever he shows his face. Um, you know, you get the the, the, like, the likes of the boys you're working obviously full time jobs are coming in. They're tired after days work and stuff and. Obviously, you've got the lads who maybe aren't working or you know doing a couple of hours just here and there. They come in, they're chirping, they're ready to rock, and then you've got the boys coming in who are tired. But I'd say Doozle's up there. But the thing is, though, Doozle pulls magic out of nowhere in training. Um, be fair, her boy is a good trainer. John's good. I'd, I'd put myself up there as well. Paps is a good trainer as well. The boys who uh, the boys who would be hanging about the gym more, more often than others, let's say. <laughs> Uh, very interesting uh, Robbie it's been brilliant having you in no thanks for having me guys really enjoyed it it's good crack uh, fantastic uh, hearing what you have to say obviously uh, Glen Torrin fans you'll be able to catch him in action uh, tomorrow he might even chip up with a goal or two for you on the, so. if you see him reaching for his knee it's that old synthetic surface <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's not the new goal celebration that would no, be choreographing here that's piercings with a walking stick <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me Michael Clark. We're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm. Or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first hour each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.